Welcome to Redeemer's Church Weekly Message Podcast, where our mission is simple. We're a church that is passionate about loving God and loving people. And now, we hope you enjoy this week's message by Pastor Dwight Bennett. I've been looking forward to this day since 2017. You know, when God speaks something to you and you're obedient to do what he calls you to do, something incredible is going to come out on the other side of it. Can I get an amen? Hey, now listen to me. I'm just going to tell you right up front. I'm juiced to the max this morning. This is my last official sermon as senior pastor. What I'm preaching today goes expressly along with everything that's happened already today. So y'all need to be ready. Okay? You need to be ready. Amens are welcomed. Shouting me down is okay today. Let's have a good time today. I want to go out with a bang today. Amen? Amen? Woo! Wow. I want to thank the worship team this morning. Wow. The three-person band today. Wow, man, was that incredible. Did anyone else other than me just enjoy worship today? Come on, let's give them a hand. Hallelujah. Man, I'm excited. So excited for today. You know, the Bible tells us in Joshua chapter 1, and this is when, and this is not my message today, but in Joshua chapter 1, when God was handing things over to Joshua, He had just uh, uh, taken the Israelites through the wilderness, 40 years of wondering where they were going. It was not going to be Moses that was going to lead them anymore. And he was putting the reins of, of, of the kingdom into young Joshua's hands. And it was exciting to see that when Joshua took the reins, the anointing of the Holy Spirit came not only upon his leadership, but it came upon the direction and destiny of where the Israelites were ultimately going to go. Can I get an amen? And this is what he said, young Caleb. He said, be strong and courageous. Be bold. Be excited to lead the people forward. And the first thing that Joshua had on his side was all of his leaders stood directly beside him. And I am thankful for our leadership team here at Redeemers. We're not waffling our way into transition. We are powering our way into the next part of our destiny. And I'm telling you, as as God is my witness, this is going to be the first day tomorrow of the new place that God leads Redeemers to. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be adventurous. I advise you to buckle your seatbelts and be ready to go where God is advancing this house to go. Come on now. This is a good hour. I thought I would get up here today and blubber through my message, but I don't feel that at all. I feel just like Caleb said. I feel encouraged. I feel excitement. I feel anticipation. I am anticipating the next days that are ahead for this church I'm anticipating and excited for the same days of your future and your destiny and your house and what God wants to do in and through each one of you. 
I'm excited to see the people that are going to step up and stand beside Caleb and, and, and run with his vision for this house. And I'm telling you what, I'm first in line because I'm going to run with him. I'm going to stand beside him. I'm going to fight with him. I'm going to move with him because I know without a shadow of a doubt that this is exactly the place that God has Redeemer Church to be. Amen? This isn't going to be a, oh, wow, maybe we can make it through the next three to five years. In the next three to five years, you're not even going to recognize us. Woo! Man, I'm telling you, good days are ahead for this church. Good days are ahead for you. If I could say something prophetically to all of you, that today's message is designed to take you from where you have been to where God has always wanted you to be. Today's message is to motivate you to go beyond what you thought you could accomplish and have faith to walk where God has designed for you to walk. We are moving forward into our future. And I'm excited. I'm moving forward into my future as well. This is an exciting hour to be in the kingdom of God. You know, we watch the news and we see all the stuff that's happening. And I know this, that when all that stuff happens, my God raises a standard above all of that. And he's got something so incredible designed for this hour of history. And I don't want to miss my part. I don't want you to miss your part in what God has in store for you. Anybody want to do something good for God in 2024? Okay, if that's the case, then let me just be frank with you. You are going to have to put away your past. In order to get to where God has designed you to be in your future, you are going to have to give up your past. Mm. Turn with me, if you would, to Philippians chapter 3. Let's look at Philippians chapter 3 and verse uh, 12. Father, I thank you for this day. And I pray that you help me to deliver this message that I want to deliver today. What you've put on my heart. What you have in store for us. I pray, God, that you give me clarity to march through these scriptures and point out the things that are going to help people into the next phase of their life father everyone who is here today is not here by accident all of those who are watching us online are not watching by accident you have brought people here today and you have aligned this service from the very hit for this message today and father i thank you for what you're moving us into into that place of our future father i thank you that Tammy and I, for the last 25 years, have been able to be the senior leaders of this house. I thank you, God, that you have uh, continued to build this house. I thank you, God, that you have protected us, you've guided us, you've watched over us, you've watched over our family in this process. And for that, I'm extremely grateful. And so today, as we move in to the next part of our destiny, Father, I pray that this message will lay the groundwork for that time. And Father, I give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Sometimes we make 
statements that are kind of overblown. Sometimes we say things that we don't really mean, but we, we say them. We, we don't really think they'll have the impact that, that they will have. But I'm telling you, as sure as the day I was sitting in my office and God said, you need to transition this church, is as excited as, as I am for today seeing it actually happen. What is happening here is a, is a God thing that he has designed, and when God designs something, then it's, uh, it should bring us uh, an air of anticipation in each of your hearts. Like this, what does God have up his sleeve? What is God going to do? How am I going to be able to be a part of that? In Philippians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Philippi. This guy has been through the ringer twice. He's currently in the ringer. But there's some things that he says here that should inspire you and I that it doesn't matter what our yesterday had, our tomorrow is in God's hands. It doesn't matter what we saw or didn't see, what hope we didn't have or we did have, because when we take what God wants to do in us and we live for this moment and the moments ahead for us, then the past cannot hinder where our movement is going. How many of you realize that what the enemy likes to do, listen to me now, folks, what the enemy likes to do is he likes to take yesterday and drag it into your today so that it affects your tomorrow. Those days are over. They're over. Because when we put our trust and our faith in God, He does something so incredible that it's beyond what we can even think or imagine. But we have to come to the place to where we trust what He is able to do and we trust in the process. I'm standing here today trusting in the process. I'm standing with my wife trusting in the process. When God first said in 2017 you need to transition, I said to God, I'm like, Lord, I'll be 61 years young. Nobody transitions their church at 61 years young. And he said, you will because I need you to do something else and I need you to release them for what I have in store for them. And I said, okay, well then I'll take this ride with you. That's what faith is. Faith is a ride with God that you will never forget. Amen? I used to have a brother-in-law that was big on 67 Firebirds and 67 Camaros. And when you'd get in the back of Aaron's car, he'd always find a railroad track for you. And he would get to about 65 miles an hour and he'd go flying over the railroad track and you'd bounce and bump around. And those are good days. That's days of adventure. Amen? How many of y'all did any fun stuff like that when you were young? Amen? Nobody? No wonder we can't be adventurous when we're old. Y'all need to start having some fun and being adventurous. The, or, 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 the Apostle Paul said this in Philippians 3, not that I have already attained or am already perfected. This guy's moving in his course, doing great things for God, but he's saying, not that I'm already there, not that I'm already perfected, but I press on. Everybody say, press on. Look at your neighbor and tell them, press on. Press 
on. But I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. How many of you believe that Jesus has got a hold of you right now? How many of you truly believe that your life truly is in his hands? Well, the Apostle Paul did. And in verse 13, he says, Brethren, I don't count myself as already apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mindset. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree which we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule and let us be of the same mind. The Apostle Paul is clearly making the statement that I am not perfect, I've got room to grow, I've got excitement for my future, I'm not going to let my past hinder me, and I'm going to move on. I'm going to press on. As Jesus has a hold of me, I'm going to press forward to the place where God has called me to do. You see, that kind of attitude is what enabled Paul to write the most books in the, the New Testament it, because if he would have taken the normal person's attitude, these would have not been the words that would have been written by the Apostle Paul. They would have been dark words. They would have been difficult words. They'd have been words that that talked about all of his suffering. There would have been words that talked about all the things that didn't occur because of where he was. But that's not who he was because he was apprehended by Jesus. Listen, when you are apprehended by Jesus, you are so looking forward to tomorrow that yesterday cannot hinder you any longer. Now, I want you to, to, to understand today that God wants you to move from where you are to the place that he has you to be. But the only way that you're going to be able to do that is by faith. Is by faith. I want to read that same passage in the, uh, the TPT, the Passion Translation. I don't use this translation very much, but I want to read it today in this. In verse 12 it says, I admit that I haven't yet acquired the absolute fullness that I'm pursuing. But I run with passion into, the, into his abundance so that I may reach the purpose for which Christ Jesus has laid a hold of me to make me his own. I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this. However, I do have one compelling focus. I forget all of the past as I fasten my heart. Listen to this. I forget all of the past as I fasten my heart to the future instead. How many of you would agree with me today that that's something that you've made a New Year's resolution for for years in the past? This year, I'm not going to let last year bother me anymore. This year, I'm going to move beyond where I used to be. This year, I'm going to lose 60 pounds. This year, I'm going to do... This year, I'm going to... Those are all past resolutions to move into the place where God wants 
to bring you forward, you have to forget all of those things and fasten your heart to the future instead. I run straight for the divine invitation of reaching the heavenly goal and attaining the victory prize through the anointing of Jesus. So let us who are fully mature have this same passion. And if anyone is not yet gripped by these desires, God will reveal it to them and let us all advance together to reach this victory prize following one path with one passion. Turn with me, if you would, to Luke chapter 17. I want to go through and read about Lot's wife. Not a whole lot in here about Lot's wife, but what is in here is pretty pertinent to our situation. Lot's wife. Wow, I threw you a left hook there, didn't I? I mean, I got you running left and I went right. Come on now. Who was thinking Lot's wife was going to come up today? <sighs> Lot's wife. Okay, let's look at uh, Luke chapter 17. And let's start in verse 20. Now he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come. And he answered them and said, The kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, See here or see there, for indeed, where is the kingdom of God? It is within, say it with me, within me. Say it again. Say, the kingdom of God is within me. If that's a fact, if that's a fact, then shouldn't that be the motivating force to move you forward and not allow anything to, to hook you backwards? If that's a fact, shouldn't that be the motivating force to move you forward? The kingdom of God is within you. That's a powerful statement. Then he said to the disciples, the days will come when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man and you will not see it. And they will say to you, look here and look there. Do not go after them or follow them. For as lightning that flashes out of one part under heaven shines to the other part under heaven, so also the Son of Man will be in his day. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. And this was the days of Noah, as it, and as it, it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, and they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, it will be in the days of Lot. They ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. Remember that line. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so, it will be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, he who is on the housetop and his goods are in the house, let him not come down to take them away. What is Jesus saying? He knows us. He understands us. We have all built kingdoms here on earth. And he knows that if he comes to call us away from those kingdoms, the first thing that we will do is want to reach back and grab a part of them. 
No, I got to have 1209 Carroll Eastern Road. We built that kingdom for years. We desired it. We prayed for it. We loved it. It's, it's your blessing. Why would I give it up? Even so, it will be in the, in, in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, he who was on the housetop and his goods are in the house, let him not come down to take them away. And likewise, the one who was in the field, let him not turn back. And then the powerful verse 32. Remember Lot's wife. Remember Lot's wife. If you would, turn with me, if you would, to uh, Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 49. Let's look at that first. Remember Lot's wife. Wow. Jesus wept is the shortest, and remember Lot's wife is the second shortest verse in the Bible. Both have super significance to them, and... It's amazing, even in their shortness, they say so much. Jesus is talking about the day of his return. He's saying that our focus is probably not on him, that our focus is probably on the other stuff, the kingdoms that we built while we were here on earth. Ezekiel 16. Man, I had to dig for this message, folks. Ezekiel uh, chapter 16, verse 49. They're talking about Jerusalem and, and uh, how uh, uh, believers will uh, abuse the idea of Jerusalem. They're talking about, in verse 44, things that are more wicked than Samaria and Sodom. What made Sodom so wicked? Now, we immediately bring our attention to homosexuality and those types of things that we think God destroyed Sodom for. But look in verse 49. This was the iniquity of your sister Sodom. She and her daughter had pride, fullness of food, and abundance of idleness. You know what they say about idle hands, man. Idle hands makes mischief. Idle hands always creates trouble. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. So we're thinking about what was the sin of Sodom that's brought up here in Ezekiel. Pride, fullness of food, abundance of idleness. Now, I want you just to... to, to Try to focus on how this relates to us even today. We live in a land of abundance. And when Jesus is talking about in 17 of Luke chapter 17 about sitting on the rooftop and wanting to go back for those things that you have built as your kingdom, those are not necessarily bad things, are they? See, when we talk about moving forward from your past, a lot of times what we want to talk about is the depth of despair, and we will talk about that as well. But the idea is, is whatever is capturing your focus about yesterday will inhibit your movement for tomorrow. You know, when I first became the senior pastor at Redeemer's, it was like Earl Bruce taking over for Woody Hayes, amen? 
I mean, I thought, what kind of chance do I have to take over from Pastor Willard Jarvis, the most incredible pastor that God ever put on the face of the earth? But the reality is, is that God strengthens each of us for the specific destiny that he has in store for us beyond what anyone else has a hold of you with. See, I could have thought the whole time when I was taking over Redeemers, I could have always looked back, how did Willard do this? What did Willard say? What did Willard do? How did he handle this? And, and all those things. But I quickly realized that that's not where God wanted me to be. He wanted me to be moving forward for your benefit. See, whatever placement you are in your house, in your job, in your, in your place in society, it's critical for you to be looking ahead. It's critical for the kids in your household to be hearing you talk about your future and not what brought you to where you are today. See, we so often have trouble believing that something good is out in front of us. And so I brought you to Ezekiel chapter 16 to, to widen the, the scope of what the idea of what Sodom was and why God destroyed Sodom. There weren't enough people looking forward. There were too many people looking backwards. Let's look at Genesis chapter 19 now. Let's look at the event. Y'all with me? Let's look at the event. Genesis 19. And let's start, I believe, in verse... Let's just start in verse 12. Genesis 19, 12. Then men said to Lot, have you anyone else here? That's the men who were coming to rescue them. Son-in-law, your sons, your daughters, and whoever you have in the city, take them out of this place. For we will destroy this place because the outcry against them has grown great before the face of the Lord. And the Lord has sent us to destroy it. So Lot, I know, that would make me cry too. That was perfect timing. Perfect timing. I know this is a sad story, but it gets better. It gets better. And he said, here now, my Lord. Oh, no, I'm, I'm sorry. He said, so Lot went out and spoke to his son-in-laws, who had married his daughters, and said, get up, get out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But to his son-in-laws, he seemed to be joking. When the morning dawned, the angels urged Lot to hurry, saying, Arise, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be consumed in the punishment of the city. And while he lingered, the men took hold of his hand, his wife's hand, and the hands of his two daughters. The Lord being merciful to him, and they brought him out and set him outside the city. So it came to pass, when they had brought them outside, that he said, Escape for your life. Do not look behind you, nor stay anywhere in the plain. Escape to the mountains, lest you be destroyed. Then Lot said to them, Please know, my lords, indeed now your servant has found favor in your sight, and you have increased your mercy, which you have shown me by saving my life. But I cannot escape to the mountains, lest some evil overtake me and I die. 
See now, this city is near enough to flee to, and it is a little one. Please let me escape there. Is it not a little one? And my soul shall live. And he said to him, See, I have favored you concerning this thing also, in that I will not overthrow this city for which you have spoken. Hurry, escape there, for I cannot do anything until you arrive there. Isn't it interesting how there's timing every place inside the Word of God? There's always some kind of timing. Get here so this can happen. Move there so I can do this. Those are always things about moving forward. Lot, get out of this city, move forward to the next place of your destiny so the past of where you were cannot destroy you. You know, when we're moving forward, our past gets further away from us. Now, I know there's all kinds of things that say, you know, it's the past that defines us. Or, you know, it's because of the past I am who I am today. I personally think that whatever you are today is because of who Jesus is in you. Don't let your past be that thing that defines you. I'm not the kid that lived at 7346 Sabre Avenue and lived in poverty. I'm not that guy. I'm, I'm not that person. I'm not that person who uh, was never shown a place of destiny. I'm not that guy. Because when Jesus came into my life, something changed in me. Because when you become a child of God, your destiny automatically changes in who you are and where you're going to ultimately be. And I'm going to read 21 again. And he said to him, See, I have favored you concerning this thing also, in that I will not overthrow the city where you're going, for which you have, have spoken. Hurry, escape there, for I cannot do anything until you arrive there. Therefore the name of the city was Zoar. The sun had risen upon the earth when Lot entered the city. Then the Lord rained brimstone and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. Verse 25. So he overthrew those cities, all the plain, all the inhabitants of the city, and what grew on the ground. Now look at verse 26. But, everybody knows when God puts a but in there, there's going to be a whole change of, of course here. But his wife looked back behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. But his wife looked back behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. Folks, do you realize that every time you look back into that place of history where you had pain, where you had confusing, or, or confusion, where you had discouragement, where you procrastinated, where you failed, where something happened that was not to your liking, where something happened to you. Those are brutal times. When you look back and you look back on those times that something happened to you. And every time you are moving forward in the place that God has you going and you look back upon those instances, you too become like a pillar of salt. You too become immobilized. 
you too then have to go back and deal with everything that got brought up from that instance of that thing that was not the way you exactly wanted it to be. And instead of having the power and engagement to continue to move forward in your future, you become stalled in that place and then you end up going back to it again. It's something that beckons you, calls out your name, and, 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 and it's something that you, you, you just feel like you can't release yourself from. Listen, that's not God's best for you. Jesus came to show you a pathway for you to remove yourself from that kind of situation and move yourself to the place that he would have you to be. Now listen, Lot's wife was supposed to move into the promise of God. What was the promise? The promise was safety from destruction, leaving the place that was going to be destroyed. That's what, when, when, when Lot was looking to grab her hand and move her forward, but there was just something in her that had to take his hand but yet look back. Now, remember what we said they, in Ezekiel 16, what they said, the sins of Sodom were pride, uh, overabundance, uh, 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 way too much stuff, way too much food to eat, idle time. There was something about that that Lot's wife just wanted to hold on to, and, and she couldn't trust that if she grabbed a hold of her husband's hand, followed the leading of God, and moved to the next place of her destiny, that everything that she thought was everything that she wanted or needed, that those things were going to be even better in the place that she was going. See, there was a lot of noise in Sodom. There was terrible stuff that was going on in Sodom at that time. But yet there was enough abundance that instead of wanting to leave all that craziness, there was a desire in her to want to look back. When we look back, we're looking at things that we think are what we want in the flesh and not trusting where God's taking us in the spirit. But she looked back and she got stuck. Listen to me. Listen to this. I want you to hear this. For all of you who are in a place that you can't move forward from, I want you to understand something. She looked back and she got stuck in a place that she was just meant to pass through. All those hurts and pains, those are places that you're meant to pass through. Because they're going to ultimately, when God restores you from those things, they're going to build you into the person that God's designed you to be for the destiny that he has for you moving forward. Tammy was reading one of her novels, and she, uh, made, or she told me that this is one phrase that the author made. How does someone put away the past, especially when the past has been your constant companion for so many years? All the, those dark things, all that thing that somebody said, all those things that you, you, you had your hopes set on and then they didn't come to pass the way that you thought they should come to pass. How does somebody move 
away from the past when the past has been your constant companion for so many years. Folks, we can get paralyzed by our past. And the, the, the idea of Lot's wife and, and her becoming like stone was a, a, a symbol of just that. When you look back on what you hope to have, what it does is it disables you to be able to move in what God really has for you. When you're immobilized by your past, you don't realize how God was walking with you all of the steps of that destiny and you just didn't understand that he was there with you. Mm. See, that's a deep one about people's past. You know, even in those things that happened to you, Jesus was there with you. He just, he was. He was there with you. Wanting to bring you through it. Wanting to move you into a new place of your destiny. Now, I would say this to you today. Don't look back. Take this day, the last day of 2023, and put away your... Choose today to put away your past. And I, I hear you. I hear you. But pastor, if you only knew what I went through... I know we've all been through some absolutely terrible things. I can't even imagine some of the things that you've been through in life. But I also know this. Those are the hooks that the enemy uses to pull you back. You know, you start thinking about all those things that didn't happen in my past. You, 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 you have an addiction and you've worked through this addiction and then those things get brought up again, so what do you do? You use again. Why? Because that's your customary way that you dealt with the past. And if you don't put the past away, it's a ball and chain that is around your leg that you're trying to move into your future, but you're always dragging the past behind you. And we can't allow the past to hinder us into the way where we won't see God for what he has for us in our future. We need to prioritize our future over our past. We need to make what moving forward the most important thing in our life and stop looking backwards about what didn't happen or what we could have done or what should have been said or how it could have occurred. See, Turn with me, if you would, to Luke chapter 24. I want to talk to you about the road to Emmaus. It's such an interesting encounter when I thought about this. You see, when we are in the place where we are lamenting, uh, stay with me, please. Please stay with me. When we're in a place of lamenting about yesterday, we lose the sight that of uh, Jesus being right with us today. And if we, I said the kingdom of God lives inside of us, right? And so if that's the case, then is God able to change your direction from the placement of your past? If it, it, that my, that's my question. If the kingdom of God is in us, if the Holy Spirit abides with us, is God able to remove you from the bondage of your past 
to move you into the place of your future. What is it in you that doesn't allow yourself to see you successful in your future? And if you were truly to answer that question, it would be because of something that you weren't in your past. Something that happened to you in your past. Something that somebody said to you in your past. You know the I'll never amount to anything statement, or that's what they said to you, and you just embrace that. And when, when, something, when you're not successful in something today, you automatically reach back to that for comfort. Do you hear what I'm saying? That you're, you're, you're taking your past and you're using it as a crutch to fail in your future. That's not God's best for you. Trust me. He did not die on a cross, give the Holy Spirit to live inside of you, called you to be a kingdom individual for you to always have to lament about yesterday and not move into today. Somebody has just got to say in this house today, enough is enough. Enough is enough. Enough is enough. I can't go on another day in the same capacity that I lived in 2023. God's got something even better for you. Listen, I said turn with me to Luke 24. The road to Emmaus in verse 13. And I want you to understand Listen to me. When you have that moment of embracing the pain of yesterday, what happens is, is you're so focused on that moment and its discouragement, you couldn't see God if he was standing in front of you. Oh, really? Well, how's that happen? Well, I'm going to show you how it happened. And I'm going to encourage you to understand that is such a powerful tool of the enemy. Well, this happened, you know, my husband and I had this problem 10 years ago, and I just, uh, you know, and this happened, and, and my kid got diabetes when she was four years old, and this happened, and I was discouraged, and so every time I feel that discouragement, I feel that, well, God, you let me down when Abby was four, and she got diabetes. Where were you, God? Well, I'll tell you where he was. He was right there with me because I would pass out if I even took a shot myself. And then I had to give a shot to my daughter. And somehow God started with oranges and we gave shots to oranges. And then Tammy and I had to go into a room and we had to give each other a shot. Brutal experience. And I stuck my wife, can I say what you said? Yeah. <laughs> you remember that? Yeah. Can I say it? So here I am trying to get over this shot thing. I stuck the shot in Tammy's arm and she flinching said, you sucker. Ouch. And then I was like, oh, oh my gosh. I, I, I'm sorry, babe, I'm sorry. But you know what? God was with me in that moment. He was healing me. Because when Tammy told me Abby had diabetes, I said, get her out of here. We're taking her home. That's not true. Those guys are lying to us. She's like, honey, 
settle down. She goes, no. I said, no, I'm mad. I'm not going to have that. She can't have diabetes. I thought it was something we could just take away from her. And God healed me through that process. And now when I look back on that day, all I see is God walking with me. All I see is my healthy daughter. I see her three grandchildren. You see, God had a future for her and for me and for all of us. And now we're moving forward. And when I watch her lead the children's play on Christmas Eve, I thought, God, you are amazing. But what if I would have stayed stuck in the God you let me down mode? All y'all, you know what I'm talking about. Some of you, you say it to yourself, you preach it to yourself all the time. God, why did you let me down? Why did you do this? And what's happening is, is God is sitting right next to you, and you're lamenting, and he's, Allie, I'm here. Allie, I'm right here. Allie, I'm right here. Well, I can't get there. I can't get there. I can't see myself being whole. Now, li listen, I'm going to prove this to you. Kim, thank you. And yes, I am drinking Diet Dr. Pepper. It's my last sermon. I can, I can drink what I want up here. Excuse me. That was wrong. Father, forgive me for that. That was wrong. Now behold, two of them traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together all of these things which had happened. We, we do that all the time, don't we? We talk about all these things that have happened. And watch what gets created. So it was, while they conversed and reasoned, what does Matthew 16 say? Why does Jesus say you have little faith? Because they reason among themselves. And I always tell you, don't lament with somebody who is not going to hold your feet to the fire. Don't gossip to somebody who is not going to say, well, listen, when we get off the phone, I'm going to call the person you gossiped about, and I'm going to set up a meeting with you two. Oh, pastor, that's cruel. No. You know what's cruel? is lying to people. That's cruel. That's cruel. When you don't have the courage to say to somebody, you're better than this. You need to move on. Okay? So it was. While they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Here they are lamenting, and here is Jesus. He's walking right with them. Isn't it interesting that you could see him when you thought he was going the way you wanted him to go? But when you're in the midst of tragedy and turmoil, somehow you can't see Jesus anymore. Because somehow the enemy has put a veil over your eyes and he has deafened your ears. That's what it says. That's what the Apostle Paul says in Corinthians. His tactics are so simple. But their eyes were restrained and they did not know him. And he said to them, which kind of conversation is this that you have, one that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Then one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem 
Have you not known the things which happened there in these days? How many times does that kind of thought process come up when it's about your past? Do they not understand what I've been through? And he said to them, what things? And so they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth. Now listen what they've done to Jesus. Who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. Now they've reduced Jesus from the Savior and the Son of God to a prophet. Because they're lamenting about something and that has taken place that they don't have any answer for. Okay, now listen to me. And the, uh, and the chief and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. Verse twenty one. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things have happened. Yes, and certain women of our our, our company who arrived at the tomb uh, early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had seen a vision of angels and said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they said they did not see. And then he said to them, O foolish ones, of slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory. What about the scripture that says we need to share with the sufferings of Christ? Listen, our lives are not going to be a bed of roses all the time. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far apart. And he went in, and he stayed with them. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, now listen to this, as he sat at the table with them, you know, they were getting into that intimate place, you know, that place where you sit around the table and you have those good conversations. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, he took bread blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes opened, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the road, and while he opened the scriptures to us? And so they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord is risen indeed. He has appeared to Simon. And they uh, told about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. Something familiar came back to them when Jesus broke the bread about who he was and what he truly represented. Folks, listen. When we get into the place to where we are so stuck on yesterday, we can't see Jesus today. And I'm saying this to you out of the goodness of, of my heart, that we've got to let go of the old. Would you stand with me? Can I have the worship team come?
We have got to let go of the old. God has called us to be a finisher, not somebody that holds on to something. Do you realize that you're either holding God's hand into the future or you're holding the enemies in pulling you back to this place that you've designated a place of comfort? But God doesn't want you to be comfortable in the things of your past that were brutal. He wants you to be healed so he can move you ahead into his future. We got to let go of the old. What do we let go of? We got to let go of the other people's opinions of you. How many of you are still hearing the opinions of what somebody spoke about you? The second thing we got to get rid of, we got to get rid of the pain and the shame of our past failures. We've got to let them go. We can't do anything about them anymore except receive God's healing. We've got to let go of resentment and anger and bitterness and unforgiveness. We've got to get rid of that disappointment. The fourth thing we've got to get rid of is blaming and procrastination. You know, we procrastinate because we think we're going to fail. So we don't deal with something head on because we think we're going to fail. Oh, we've already tried this in the past and and here we are again. We've got to put those all away. In Isaiah, the Bible says, behold, I do a new thing. I do a new thing. How many of you are tired of the old thing and you'd like to be a part of the new thing? Come on, somebody. That you're tired of falling prey to yesterday that you just can't trust that God's here for you this moment and this hour. God is doing a new thing. we're about ready to move into the best days that we've ever had at Redeemer's Church. You can move into your best days personally. You can move into the best days of your family. You can move into the best days of your destiny. And all you got to do is say, Lord, I'm going forward with you. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I want to let go of yesterday. If that's you, I want you to come forward right now. Right now, come. You say, Pastor, I want to let go of those things that are driving and motivating me, those things that call my name, those things that bring comfort, those things that I thought were good, those things that uh, always drew me back into my past. If that's you, I want you to come forward now. Don't embrace the lie of the enemy. If you're back there not coming forward, Nothing's going to change. That's what the enemy's going to say to you. He's whispering that in your ear right now. I'm not going forward. Look at all these people. I'll be embarrassed. Don't buy the lies of the enemy. Don't buy it. Don't believe it. Because today can be the best day of your life. But you got to let it go. You got to let it go. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. We hope you were challenged, encouraged, and inspired as you listened to this teaching from God's Word. 
For more messages or information about our church, please go to www.redeemers.life.